Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to talk to you about uh, something tonight about ministry. I'm going to say some uh, a few things that uh, that I've said in the past. Some of the things I'll say you you will remember me having said before, and then some other things maybe I haven't really addressed. Just some things on my heart. The Lord uh, dealt with me about this uh, two or three weeks ago. Pastor Angela had some good things to minister, and so I let her go ahead and and uh, uh, and and and. You know, minister the things that were on her heart. Good thing about pastoring, you know, you can always have next. You always have next week, you know. And uh, so, anyway, I want to just uh, cover some things tonight, give some uh, insights, and say some things I think will be helpful. Amen. Ephesians chapter four, beginning in verse number eight, says, "Therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men." Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But, but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all things or above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man or mature man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I love that expression in verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect, mature, complete man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I tell you what, it's going to be a glorious day when the church uh, comes into position as it should be, when the church reaches maturity and becomes the expression of the fullness of the, of the, uh, uh, of the measure of the fullness of Christ. And uh, I tell you, that day's coming. That day's coming, praise God. Jesus is coming back for such a church as that. And, uh, uh, and so everything we do in ministry is geared toward that, going in that direction, amen? And, uh, you know, he, he made this, this uh, he gave this list of, of ministers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. And uh, we refer to these as, as the fivefold ministry or the lead ministries. And... Uh, I, I try when I teach in other places in, in Bible schools and so forth, I always try to uh, uh, remind the students and, and other churches that we need all of these ministries. We need the apostles' ministry. We need the prophets' ministry. We need the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. We need all of these ministries. I, you know, I don't have, uh, I don't invite an, uh, an inordinate number of guest ministers. Uh, I don't, I don't have as many guest ministers as I did years ago. 
Uh, but we still, I bring guest ministers in from time to time and it's important. So I don't, I don't have too many, but I was visiting with, a, with another pastor friend of mine a few years ago and, uh, and he challenged me on, on, on this. He said, you know, why do you have so many, uh, actually his wife did, the, the, the pastor himself said that he doesn't have, he says he never has traveling ministers come to his church. He said, I said, why not? And he said, because they always just preach the same thing I preach. He said, just preach the same, you know, truths that I preach. And I said, well, if you're declaring to the church the whole counsel of God, what else would you expect them to preach? Something from Buddha? <laughs> they ought to be preaching the same thing you're preaching. If not, either you or they are missing it. Yeah. But then the wife, she said, well, why do you have so many guest ministers? This was, there was some different separation of time between these two comments. But we were writing somewhere, and she said, why do you have so many guest ministers in your church? And, uh, and I said, because Jesus set these five ministries in the body of Christ, and who am I to set them aside? Jesus set these ministries in the body of Christ, not me. And so that's why I have them. I have them because they were set in the church by the Lord Jesus. That's why I have them. And, uh, you know, you've heard me tell the story of uh, Larry Hutton. You know, he was here one time, and, and he was teaching on healing. This was back in the 80s, I think. And uh, I had always taught on healing and faith and victory, you know. And, and uh, he came and he, he preached for four days, or four services, three days, on the subject of divine healing. And uh, when the meeting was over, I think the next Sunday, this lady came up to me and she said, Pat, she was just beaming like a neon sign lit up in the dark, you know. Pastor, I got it, I got it, I got it. So what did you get? Wonderful, what did you get? She said, I finally got it. I'm not trying to be healed. Jesus healed me 2,000 years ago. And I just found out about it. And, and, and then, you know, I had taught that. And then she said, you know, sitting there listening to, to, to Reverend Hutton preaching, she said, when the light came on, I got it. She said, then I realized, you know, pastor's been saying the same thing for years. <laughs> but she said, for some, reason, for, some, for some reason, I just got it. Well, you know, I wasn't upset that she got it from him. And, you know, would she have gotten it if he hadn't have come? I mean, you know, uh, other people had been in the church and they'd gotten it. But in spite of my silvery-tongued erudition and my, you know, my, uh, my skillful, you know, uh, teaching, for some reason she hadn't gotten it, so I'm just glad she got it. You know, these, these different ministries that God places in the body of Christ, they're specialists, specialists. You know, particularly teachers, they specialize in different truths. And a lot of times God gives certain t- teachers and other ministers, a, you know, special insight in certain doctrines and, and just gives them a way of explaining things that, that uh, and, they, and a lot of times they just you know, focus on those things. That's their specialty. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. That's wonderful. You know, we go to specialists in the medical field, right? Uh, you know, specialists are great, but you couldn't get whole body health care by going to a rheumatologist for all of your needs. Isn't that right? No, you need a primary care doctor. Well, well, pastors are primary care doctors, are primary care, you know, uh, 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 ministers. And, uh, you know, in, in some Christian circles, there's a lot of tension between ministers, you know, particularly, particularly between pastors and traveling ministers because some, for some reason, you know, the traveling ministers don't trust the pastors, the pastors don't trust the traveling ministers. And, you know, in the medical field, these different... Uh, 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 
disciplines of, of medicine, these different doctors, they complement one another and they refer to one another. Most of the time you can't go to a specialist until you get a referral from a primary care doctor. I wish the ministry had those kinds of ethics where ministers actually work together. They should, amen? And so we need, we need all kinds of, uh, of, of, of care. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, so I said that, you know, so that you don't misunderstand uh, when I say that the local church is more important than any other ministry platform. When I say ministry platform, I mean like evangelistic associations, you know, world missions organizations, you know. Uh, we need all of those things, but the local church is more important than any other ministry platform. These other ministries uh, come out of the local church. They are sent forth from the local church and, and thank God for, for them. But uh, the local church is more important and the ministry of the pastor is more important to the everyday life of the individual believer and to the local church than any of the other five-fold ministers. Turn with me to Titus and look at uh, chapter 1, Titus chapter 1. In Titus, now, you know, uh, First and Second Timothy and Titus, these are the pastoral uh, epistles that uh, Paul wrote to these two ministers that were his sons. You see in the uh, uh, verse four, it says to Titus, a true son in our common faith. Well, he said the same thing about Timothy. Timothy was a son of his, a spiritual son. And, and you know, there are, I don't even want to get into certain things because they, they just irritate me sometimes. But there is a truth about spiritual sons Timothy and Titus were the, were the product of, of Paul's ministry. And they followed him closely. They traveled with him. They were associates of him, of his. And, you know, in one place Paul said, you, you may have many teachers, but you don't have many fathers. Well, the truth is there aren't that many fathers in the body of Christ. Amen. There's this... There's this uh, uh, concept today of everybody having ministers having their sons. You know, I know a bunch of ministers, you know, and they have their, they, their sons under them. And, and uh, a lot of that's just a lot of put on, I'll be honest with you. There's nothing in the world to it. Uh, but here we talk, it talks about a true son in the common faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. For this reason, I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Now these elders were not, the word that's translated elder is the common word for an older person, an older man. It's a masculine term. It refers to an older man. But when it's talking about ministry in the church, there was the office of the elder. And, and we will see here that the elder and the bishop was the same office. He said, I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that were lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination, for a bishop must be blameless a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, I'm working on that one, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine 
both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Uh, the Greek word there for contradict is, is the word that's also translated oppose. That he might be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who oppose. You can see here that he said, I want you to appoint elders and then he gave the qualifications and then he changed the terminology to bishop and gave essentially the same qualifications. The elder and the bishop is, is, are the two terms that were common in the New Testament, uh, first century of the New Testament uh, or the first, first century of the church. Those, the office of pastor was usually called elder or bishop. And you can see these are not just, it's not just older men that he's talking about. He's talking about people who teach the word of God. If you go over to, uh, hold your place there and go over to 1 Timothy, you see the same thing in chapter 3. This is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, good at behavior, hospitable, able to, able to teach, not given to wine. So you see the same qualifications. Elder and bishop uh, refer to the same office. It has been uh, uh, said by historians that it seemed that churches that derived mostly from Jewish roots, in other words, uh, Jews who were born again in a city where there was a big synagogue and a lot of people got saved that were, that were uh, of the Jewish faith, that their local churches would take the term elder because the term elder was used for the leaders in the synagogue and, 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 in, and in Israel. Uh, but those cities further out that uh, where churches sprung out of, of from Gentiles, where Gentiles got saved, they'd use the word bishop because the word bishop was the word that was translated overseer or supervisor. And so just depending on, on uh, the dynamics of the church, they would take one term or the other, but it's the same office. You can see that real clearly if you go over to 1 Peter and look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5, 1 says, the, Peter's talking, he says, the elders who are among you, I exhort whom a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Notice he's talking to the elders. He says, the elders who are among you, I exhort. What did he exhort them to do? Shepherd the flock of God. Uh, so the word shepherd, of course, is this, this particular word is the verb form that's is the word for a pastor. So pastor the flock of God which is among you serving as overseers. That word overseers is the word translated bishop. Not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock and when the chief shepherd appears you will, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. There are other scriptures that we could point to that bring these three offices together or these three terms for the one office. So shepherd, which is a pastor, elder, bishop, when you see those, those terms in, relating, in relation to ministry in the New Testament, it's talking about uh, the, the pastor. The pastor teacher uh, receives special enlightenment from the Holy Spirit in order to help the sheep. Uh, the pastor is especially endowed with a capacity for balance and clarity that sometimes can escape the ordinary believer and sometimes even these specialty ministries. Sometimes those in these specialty ministries, teachers that just teach along one line, sometimes even in these ministries, they, they develop what I call a kind of a doctrinal, uh, uh, you know, nearsightedness, uh, and they only see things 
you know, one way. Well, the pastor is uh, uh, able to protect the, the, the unwary flock from dangerous doctrines that mass technology make available and bring balance. Just the pastors, uh, that's, people talk about Brother Hagin, you know, as he was such a man of balance. And, uh, but he, he, his ministry started serving as a pastor. And so he developed that, that capacity for maintaining balance and it followed him all through his life and career. We need balance in ministry today. Amen. So uh, that being said, let's go over to John chapter 10. John 10. I want to just draw some, some, some strings together here in a few minutes. John chapter 10. And let's look at verse number. This, of course, is the passage about uh, the good shepherd. The Lord Jesus is the good shepherd. In uh, verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known I know my sheep and am known by my own. He said, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Until uh, very recent times, we, we, let, me, let me tie in this scripture too before we go any further. Go back to uh, uh, Matthew. Look at Matthew. I don't know if we looked at this one or not. Matthew chapter nine, did we go there? I don't think we did. Go to Matthew chapter nine. In verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers into his harvest. Well, uh, you know, we need all of the ministry. We need all of the laborers in the harvest. We don't just need one or two. We need everybody. And so that was the point that I was making uh, earlier than that. Go back now to John chapter 10. John 10, he said, I know my sheep and I am known by my sheep. Uh, until very recent times, there was no means of mass communi- communication. TV ministries, radio, uh, internet, uh, you know, uh, social media and all these forms of even, even newsletters and, and that sort of thing was not, mass printing was not available. In the, uh, in the first, uh, you know, several hundred years, really um, until, uh, when was the printing press invented? When was that? In the seventh, uh, 15? Yeah, early, early 1600s, yeah. Uh, you know, until then, there you, you know, it was, there was printing was just not something. It was done very laboriously, you know, copied, uh, hand, you know, hand copied. And so in the days of the, of the early church, uh, traveling ministers did not have access to congregations like they do today. And so people generally were taught by their, the pastors were the ones that taught the congregation on a regular basis. You went to church and you were taught by the pastor who was also a teacher. And uh, that's how the church was established. Today we have a situation where you have, because of mass media and all the technology, you have a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, speaking into people's lives. And, and you as a, as a congregation member, you have access to all sorts of doctrine, all sorts of teaching. I mean, you can just Google anything you want to and, and find all kinds of misinformation because people can, can uh, uh, put things, you know, out in, in the public forum today that are not, uh, not helpful, not beneficial. And, uh, 
And so that's why the, the local church still remains so important to keep people grounded. Uh, like I said, in, in uh, the early church, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the pastors taught from the circulating epistles that were handwritten, that were being copied and circulated, you know, among the churches. They also taught from the Old Testament. And uh, that was the, the Christian's primary source of feeding and ministry. Like I said, today, uh, there, are, there are a lot of ministries out there. Some are good and, and some are not so good. But you really need to follow the teachings of your pastor in order to stay balanced. Amen. That's important. In uh, Hebrews chapter 13, go over there with me. Hebrews 13 we have this exhortation, <clears throat> verse number seven says, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God. You Now, don't let the word rule over you scare you away. You've heard me teach extensively in times past on biblical submission. Biblical submission is not uh, uh, ministers ruling people and and controlling their lives the way we use the word rule today. It just simply meant uh, uh, remember those who are the overseers. Remember, that's the word bishop is the overseer. So the bishop are the... Now, there's a, there's a tendency today for pastors to take the title of bishop again. A lot of denominations are, are doing that and other churches. And uh, if, you, if you look at it strictly from a biblical uh, perspective going back to the Bible... That, that's a perfectly good title to call a pastor as a bishop. I don't like it simply because it has so much baggage. You know, the term bishop is, is, is vested with all, now just centuries and centuries and centuries of, of unscriptural concepts. You know, you see, I think of a bishop, I see a guy in a funny hat, you know, and, and he's got all kind of special robes and vestments, you know, and does things and, and uh, uh, yeah. And it leaves the impression, and, and, and not unintentionally, intentionally and, and otherwise, that there's this intermediate, you know, between uh, the Christian and God that, that people can't go directly to God. They have to go through someone. And the New Testament doesn't teach that at all. New Testament teaches that we are all priests. We all have the Holy Spirit. We all have access to God. And so I just don't like the trappings that go with that term bishop. So I'm not taking it. But, you know, if other people want to use the term bishop, it is scriptural. Uh, it just, uh, to me, has a lot of baggage that's, that's not real helpful. Uh, but here it's, it's talking about those who would oversee the church. It says, remember those who, I, I'd like to read it that way, oversee you who have spoken the word of God to you whose faith follow." considering the outcome of their conduct. You know, you can't follow the faith of your favorite TV minister. It's impossible. Because, you know, even when they're on TV, they tell a lot of stories, but you have to understand there's nothing wrong with this, what I'm about to say. But everything is carefully edited and carefully packaged. It is a TV program. And, and, and it's edited for content and it's packaged in a certain way to give us, uh, to present certain truths. There's nothing wrong with that. If I was on the TV, I would do the same thing. But you don't get a real picture of how that minister lives by just the stories that he tells. Because, you, you know, if you follow, I, I know not many, but I know some that... I know personally, if you followed them around in their day-to-day -day life, you would be greatly disillusioned. 
by the way they live. They don't live the way you would think they do. And, uh, but, you know, the pastors can't get away with that. You know, we're right here in the community. You see where we live and, and, and where we're about to live. And, and <laughs> we have found a place to rent. We'll be moving this weekend. And uh, so we're going to be renting until we find the house we want to buy. But uh, uh, anyway, you know, we live among you. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He said, I know my sheep and they know me. Well, the pastor knows his sheep and the sheep know their pastor. And, uh, and it should be that way, amen? It says, whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. You can't consider the outcome of the conduct of, of a traveling minister. You don't know anything about their conduct. That's true. Just the stories they tell on TV uh, might not necessarily give the whole picture. It gives the best picture. And there's nothing wrong with that. If I was on TV, I would tell the best stories. I wouldn't tell them about my failures. I'd failures. I'd talk about my, my successes. Isn't that right? So uh, uh, the pastor's role is, is, is critical to a believer. Now go with me to, uh, back to Matthew and go to Matthew 10. Matthew 10. And let's look at verse number 40. This is really what I wanted to get into. 1040, Matthew 10, verse 40. He who receives you, Jesus was talking to the disciples. He said, he who receives you receives me. He who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he, he, he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. He said, he who receives you, talking to disciples, he says, they're really receiving me, talking about Jesus himself. And then he said, he who receives me, receives him who sent me. So when you receive a minister, you're not just receiving him as a person, you're receiving the person that sent him. You see that? He said, you're not receiving, they receive you, they receive me, and they receive him who sent me. Then he says, he who receives a, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Well, that simply means, it doesn't mean that you're going to receive the reward of being a prophet. It means that you'll receive the reward that the prophet brings. The prophet's ministry has reward. It has reward to the people that he ministers to. And, but in order to receive the reward or the ministry of a prophet, you have to receive that prophet. Well, the same thing can be said about any of the other ministry offices. In order to properly receive what a minister has to give from God, you have to receive that, that person, that minister, in the name of that ministry. In other words, in, in light of that office. Not in, the, not in the light of, of who they are naturally, but in light of the office and the ministry that they're operating in. Uh, there's a, there's a, this is the thing that concerns me a little bit. There's, there's quite a bit of, of talk today about honor where ministers are concerned. And some of it I find uh, uh, bothersome. And, and so I want to tonight present a balanced view on this. Honoring a minister is important, but I think in some circles it's, it's taken to the extreme. And we, need, we don't need to be extreme on anything except loving God, loving Jesus, you know. But every scriptural truth is intended to be taken 
in balance with every other scriptural truth. Isn't that right? Go with me to 1 Timothy 5. 1 Timothy 5. First Timothy 5, and let's look at verse, now here's a good illustration of the earlier point that I was making. In verse number 1, he's telling Timothy, his young, a younger minister, Timothy was an apostle just like Paul was. He wasn't a foundational apostle like Paul was, but he was an apostle on a lower level. And, uh, and, and, and Timothy and Titus were apostles, and they had pastors and other ministers that they oversaw and uh, and so he's just giving him some information about you know how churches are supposed to be run and so forth and in verse one he says do not rebuke an older man well that word those two words older man is the word elder it's exactly the same word that's in verse number 17 and so in verse one it says do not rebuke an elder but exhort him as a father Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with all purity. Uh, And so you can see here that the word elder, if it's referring to someone's age, then that's clear from the context. If you go over to verse 17, he's talking about those who are in the ministry of an elder. He said, let the elders who rule well or oversee well be counted worthy of double honor especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Now, I've pointed out before in in times past that this word uh, honor, where it says double honor, the word honor uh, is is, is a Greek word that means a valuing. It also means a price paid that is money paid. I'm quoting from from Strong's and and, uh, Vine's Concordance. It's translated price in Acts 5.3 and in uh, Matthew 27, 6 and 9. Uh, remember where the, the price of, of Jesus, you know, Judas received so much money, uh, gave, you know, uh, received money from the, from the elders to, to uh, give up the Lord. So that word price was used there and had to do with money. Acts 4.34, the word is translated proceeds, talking about money. So I pointed out that the word there is talking about money. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double money or double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. But the word honor also means honor. This Greek word is not only used about money. It's used in the general sense that we use the word honor today just to honor someone. So I'm concerned today that there's, that there's an overemphasis on uh, honoring ministers with, with money. Now, we know that the Bible teaches that, and actually he is talking about money here because look at the next verse. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain and the labor is worthy of his wages. So you can see in the context, he is talking about money. So I'm not, I'm not saying that's not true. I'm just saying we need to be careful that we don't overemphasize things and, th- and take things to the extreme. What I'm talking about in particular is there's this concept today of honoring your man of God. You, this is the phraseology, your man of God. 
Uh, and, and the idea is that uh, you're, usually your man of God is a minister that you have uh, a real close association with, that you receive from, and that in the spirit you're connected to someone, uh, uh, to, a, to another minister, and that minister is a primary source of, of a supply of the spirit and ministry from God. Well, that's true where a pastor is concerned. Because you you know, I'm a shepherd and you're the sheep, and, and there is a relationship there where uh, I the, the the term man of God, uh, that phrase is used twice in the New Testament. Let's look at them real quick. Go to First Timothy six and look at verse number eleven. Verse Verse 11, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. He's calling Titus or Timothy here a man of God. And then go with me to 2 Timothy, the third chapter. He says in verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, he's probably talking, since he's talking to Timothy about the ministry, he's probably referring to ministers, a man of God. Well, every, every, Christian, every Christian man should be a man of God. So in, the, in a general sense, every, every person should be a person of God, a man or a woman of God. And then in, in, an, in another sense, pastors or other ministers, they, they are men of God. But the, the way this term is used today goes back to an Old Testament association of the, of the use of that phrase, man of God. And uh, they, 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 what they've done is they've picked up an Old Testament concept and uh, if you go through and run your references in the Old Testament the man of God quote unquote man of God referred to a prophet it was Moses the man of God David was a man of God Elijah Elisha they, they were referred to as the man of God and there were a couple of other lesser known prophets and then two or three of them that weren't named at all and they were referred to as a man of God. Not every prophet was called a man of God, but when the term man of God was used, it was referring to a prophet. And, and, and the idea is that uh, God sends people their man of God. This is the way it's used today. And, and it's always your man of God. And it's taught that when you come to church and, or you come into the presence of your man of God, you should bring an offering to the man of God. That comes from the Old Testament. Uh, uh, when Saul was looking for his donkeys, remember the story? And, and uh, he didn't know where they were. His servant says, there's a man of God over here talking about Elijah. I'm talking about Samuel, and Samuel was also a man of God. He said, there's a man of God over here, Samuel, and go to him, and he can tell you where your donkeys are. And, and Saul said, we can't go without a present. 
We've got, we have to bring a present. So they got some things together, some silver and stuff, and they took their gift to the man of God. Another couple of times you'll see that where, where uh, someone went to the man of God, the prophet, and it says they brought a present. A king one time went to the man of God, and he got, you know, uh, uh, you know, wagon loads of, of barley and wheat and all sorts of things and brought it to the man of God as a present. So the, the concept is today that, that there are certain people that they're your man of God. And a lot of times it's your pastor. But see, why don't we just use New Testament phraseology, your pastor or your, your shepherd? Because it's not healthy to go back and pick up an Old Testament idea and try to make it work in the New Testament. I have found that it's the, those that are functioning in this capacity of the man of God that preach this. And so they say, you know, you need to come to your man of God, always bring an offering. No one ever came to the prophet. Well, that's not true. People did go to the prophet without an offering. But they also brought an offering sometimes to the man of God. But you have to understand in the Old Testament, there were, there were three main ministers there were the, the, in Israel. There was the king, the priest, and the prophet, or prophet, priest, and king in that order. We don't have kings today. We kind of learned our lesson from the British crown and kind of got rid of that. But uh, in, in, in the church, we don't have priests because in the Old Testament, the priest, there were two spiritual offices, the priest and the prophet. The priest represented uh, the people to God. They had to go through. People could not, in the Old Testament, could not approach God directly. They had to go through the priest to approach God. And then the prophet is how God approached them. The prophet was God's spokesman. Well, in a, in a, in a, in a sense, ministers today in a general sense, function, all five ministers function in that, in that capacity as the man of God. We speak for God. We come and bring a word from God. But ministers, prophets, and, and, and the other four ministry offices, they don't have the same status that prophets had in the Old Testament. Because again, in the Old Testament, you, you couldn't hear from God except by going to a prophet. That's how you heard from God. You go to a prophet. Well, we don't have that today because we all have the Holy Spirit. We go to the Holy Spirit. We just look to the inside. Lord, what's the right thing to do? And, and thank God we're all indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He gives direction to all of us. He gives direction to you the same way he gives direction to me. Now, he gives direction to me concerning the church that he won't give to you. Sometimes people come, you know, it doesn't happen very often, but it has happened. Somebody come up, well, pastor, here's what the Lord gave me for the church. Well, really? It's funny, he didn't tell me that. Sometimes he told me just the opposite. No, God's not giving direction for the church to, to, to anybody but the, but the pastors because that's God's order. But in, in other personal matters, you don't go to the man of God to get direction. You go to the Holy Ghost. So there's this idea of the man of God and bringing money to uh, the man of God that just bothers me. It's gaining in its uh, influence. And, and like I said, I don't, I don't think it's helpful at all. Uh, but there is a truth of honor. Ministers do need to be honored, but it's not for the reason I think that a lot of people think. So it's not for the sake of... Uh, uh, the, the aggrandizement, if that's the right word, 
uh, of the minister. It's not to build up the minister or make him more important than somebody else. The reason it's important that you honor uh, your pastor or any other minister is because of what Jesus said. He who receives a, a minister, a pastor, a prophet in the name of, of a prophet or a pastor or a minister will receive the reward that minister has. There's a, there's a lot of, of uh, uh, there was a lot of excess and a lot of abuses many years ago in the shepherdship disciple movement in the 1970s that hurt a lot of people resulting in people drawing back in fear and, and, uh, and, and if, you weren't, if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, in those days the shepherding uh, discipleship movement placed the pastor as, as the covering of people in the church. And so if you wanted to get direction or you wanted to have permission to do something, you know, you would go to your, your pastor who was your covering. Well, the term covering, you'll find the word covering in the New Testament, but it's not used that way. It's never used of a minister providing some kind of spiritual oversight of people under him. And so it got so bad in the shepherdship, discipleship movement that in, a, in churches that, that followed this uh, this line of, of reasoning and this kind of doctrine, every decision of consequence, you know, you went to your, your pastor and you asked him to pray and get direction. You know, I'm thinking about get, taking a new job. You know, should I? And the pastor would be very, in, in, the, in the real extreme cases, I mean, he'd just tell them what to do. No, you don't take that job. I prayed and the Lord said, don't take that job. Stay where you are. And, and people did that and, and a lot of times they uh, didn't go well. Uh, uh, you know, buying a house, you know, big decisions, you know, things like that, even who to marry. Pastors were setting up people in churches, you know, and, 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 and uh, arranging marriages supposedly by, you know, the, the leading of the Spirit. All of that is abuse. That's not scriptural. It, it even got so crazy that, that the shepherds were actually overseeing people's married couple's sex life telling them what to do and how often to have sex and, and calling them in and, and uh, rebuking them for this or that, that is, that is ignorance gone to seed. That, not only that people would do it, but that people would submit to that. Uh, and so, but because of that, people, people got burned, people got hurt, and so they, they've, a lot of times they've drawn back in fear and then they don't recognize any spiritual authority. And when the pastor does have something to say, you know, they, because they don't receive him, like Jesus said, as their pastor, then uh, they don't receive the reward that they should. In 1 Thessalonians, go over there with me, chapter 5, verse 12 says, We urge you, brethren, to recognize, recognize those who labor among you. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12 we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. No, notice they're not over you in anything else. They're just over you in the Lord. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Well, what is their work's sake? He, he's talking about those who are over you in the Lord would be your pastors. Notice every place where it says, that we should recognize those who are uh, those who labor among you and are over you. You notice that it's plural. You notice it doesn't say recognize 
him who was over you, singular, is recognized those. Go with, hold your place there because we're going to come back to it. Go over to Hebrews where we were, chapter 13, verse 7. Notice it doesn't say remember him who rules over you. It says remember those who rule over you, plural. Uh, So it's not just talking about having respect and esteem for the the senior pastors. Just like today, they had different levels of pastors in the local churches. I've found that over the years, not, not lately, not in recent years, but early on, when I would go out of town, people would pull stuff on Angela, on Pastor Angela. I mean, pull some kind of crazy stunt in the church, some kind of a rebellious act, and just do, I mean, that's some bizarre stuff that took, took place. I mean, actual coups and, and try to revolt in areas of ministry. It wouldn't do it when I was in town. But as soon as I was out of town, I'd go someplace. You remember that? It happened several times. They pulled it on Pastor Angela because they didn't respect her. Well, enough time has passed. You know, now you know, people respect Pastor Angela. We pastor together. I'm the senior pastor. I'm the lead pastor, the, the, the main pastor. But she is a co-pastor. She pastors with me. And so now we don't have that very often. She said, well, you know, maybe a little bit. But... Uh, but we have it where Pastor Greg is concerned. We have, we, have, we have people that don't respect Pastor. They'll say things to Pastor Greg they'd never say to me. I mean, just, just you know, crawl his case about something. Just chew him out, you know, and correct him. And, and uh, you know, thank God, he's actually, he's got, he's a little less diplomatic than I am. <laughs> and, and that's good sometimes. Uh, and so he just sets people straight. But we, it says, remember those and recognize those who are the leads, those who shepherd. Not just the senior pastor, but everybody that, uh, that's pastoring under my authority. Amen? He said, uh, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians again. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12. We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. What, it, what, is, what is the pastor's work? The pastor's work is shepherding the flock, caring for the, the pastor, loves the flock, he guides the flock, he protects the flock, he feeds the flock. That's my work. Well, he said that, he said to esteem pastors very highly in love for their work's sake. Because if you don't esteem your pastor, then I can't guide, protect, feed like I need to. Because, you know, there are always people in a congregation who, because of past hurts or something that's happened in the past, they, they've, I've, I've noticed uh, all of my uh, 37 years, there's, there's always people that sort of keep me at, at arm's length. And they never really, ex- they'll call me pastor and even serve faithfully in church, but there's, there's a distance. They keep me sort of at, at arm's length. And 
I know if I ever say anything that challenges them, that maybe causes them to, challenges them to change and step up to another level, if they haven't received me as pastor, that's just Edwin. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He, he, always has, he, he always talks about this. You know, that's just a little rabbit trail that the pastor's on. If you don't receive the pastor as uh, the shepherd, and so there is a part of the man of God. I'm not saying that it's totally wrong. There's, there's an application of it. What I'm talking about is that Old Testament sense that, you know, there's a man of God. He's between you and God, and he is your supply. Well, God is your supply. The Holy Spirit is your supply. I have a supply, though. I have a supply. It's not your main supply, but it is an important supply. And if you don't highly esteem those that God has placed in the local church to love you, care for you, feed, shepherd, guide, protect, uh, all of those things, if you, if you don't properly esteem them, then you won't receive what you need to receive. Amen. Uh, other translations where it says recognize, uh, some translations say respect. Another one says acknowledge and appreciate. Another one says honor. So, you know, honor is scriptural. Give attention to. And uh, go back over to, uh, let's see. Yeah, go back to Hebrews 13. I'm kind of running out of time. I'll make this quick. Hebrews 13, go over to verse 17. Obey those, who, obey those who rule over you. Again, that would be obvious. Who else would it be other than your shepherd? Amen. And be submissive, again, not in your personal life, but in the things of the church. Let me give you a good illustration. I'll, I'll, in the past, now I, I was a little more pointed this past Sunday, but in the past I've said we're going to have a worship service tonight third of the, of the church that normally comes on Sunday night didn't come the last time. Eh, I don't want to go to worship service. I want to go to church and have the pastor feed me. I want to hear a good message and uh, so forth. I, I don't want to go and just lift my hands. Or it's just, you know, I don't want to do it. Well, you know, this Sunday I was a little more pointed and I said, the things that I, I quoted from Paul, the things that I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh? No, a purpose according to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, we're going to have a worship service Sunday night. Therefore, you ought to be here. Do you see, the, in the, but those people that don't respect the, the, the office, they basically set aside anything they don't like. So the pastor, when he gives direction for the church, the church ought to go along with it. Because it's coming from the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm perfect. I'm not perfect. There's no, if you're looking for a perfect pastor, uh, Jesus is the only one. There's not another one besides him. But God does grace people and give them the ability to lead a congregation. And, and you look at someone over uh, a, a long period of time. Does the pastor's counsel over a long period of time prove out? You know, is it trustworthy? Then follow the pastor. Amen. So he says, um, verse 17, obey those who rule over you, be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. 
Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. The word grief there literally means groanings because of an unappreciated and thankless task. He said, let let those who rule over you do so with joy and not with groanings because of an unappreciated and thankless task. But notice, not for the sake of the pastor, that would be unprofitable for you. Again, the, the, the disenchanted, the, the, uh, the ones that, that are always carping and, and complaining, they don't like this, they don't like that, uh, they tend to set aside anything that they don't like or that doesn't suit them. Get in the habit of, if it's scriptural, go along with it. Would it be scriptural to have a worship service? Yes. Well, I don't like it. Yes, but it's scriptural. And, and the pastor announced it. That means the Lord wants us to have one. And that's just, that's just a, a simple uh, uh, illustration. But honor, I said all that to say this, honor is important, but I don't like this man of God uh, kind of concept where, where people are instructed every time you go to church, you know, you got to bring an offering to the man. It's not happening here, but I'm just saying it happens in the church. And, and you will hear more of it if you listen to, to outside ministry. You'll hear. And uh, it's just not helpful. It's not healthy. Amen? There needs to be scriptural honor, but we don't need to go back to Old Testament patterns in, uh, in accomplishing that. Amen? In 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 13, I'm going to quote, you don't have to look at it, I'm going to quote it from the... Uh, NIV because it's clearer than the King James and this will be my last scripture we have spoken freely to you Corinthians and opened wide our hearts to you we are not withholding affection from you but you are withholding yours from us as a fair exchange I speak to my children open wide your hearts also notice in order for a church to function properly the pastor has to open his heart to people, but people have to open their heart to the pastor. And he said there should be a fair exchange. And when there's not a fair exchange, then you, you have this other passage that, that Paul wrote. This is, this is pretty sad. In 2 Corinthians 12, he said, Now for the third time I'm ready to come to you. I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very, I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. People that don't have an ex- a proper exchange, that's how the pastor feels. The pastor bears his heart. He needs people to bear their heart back and reciprocate so that there's an exchange of affection, an exchange of of contributing and receiving. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.